Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A small town shocked when a teen girl goes missing. Take a listen to our friends at Fox 13. This is the place Madeline Allen was last seen on Monday night. The college says it's been all hands on deck ever since her roommate reported her missing. Local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies are involved interviewing people, looking through phone records, doing everything they can to bring Maddie home. The Snow Hall dorm security cameras capture Madeline Allen leaving at 9.22 Monday night, heading out into the cold, carrying a plastic bag, dressed in a white jacket and skirt. Freshman Ariana Mastin has spent the last two days worrying about her friend's whereabouts. I had theater today, actually, and it was just so different, like, without her being there, because it's like, she should be here. She should be sitting with us. She says it's not in Maddie's character to just leave overnight like that, especially during finals week. She would not just take off like that. Like, that's not Maddie at all. Snow College's Public Safety and Police Department is taking the lead on the investigation. It's also working with several county sheriff departments, state troopers, and even the FBI. Wow, all hands on deck in the search for teen girl Maddie. With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know. Stacey Honowitz, Assistant State Attorney, joining us out of Florida. She has a specialty of sex crimes and working with children and teens. Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining us from the Atlanta jurisdiction at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Dan Corsentino, former police chief, former sheriff, former advisor to the Homeland Security Senior Advisory Board, now private investigator at dancorsentino.com. Also with us, special guest joining us, Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter, Christy Mazurek. But first, take a listen to our cut to Fox 13's Emily Tenser. It's so hard when you're not sure if they're okay and when they just kind of drop off and you're not sure where they're at or if they're okay. Dean of Students Mike Daniels doesn't want to speculate on the suspicious nature of this case, but he says there are red flags. When Tuesday night's snowstorm rolled in, he thought of Maddie missing in an outfit not equipped for freezing temperatures. You hope that she's safe. You hope that she's warm. Last night, you know, before I went to bed, I I just hope she was comfortable and, and had peace and was comfortable and safe. Snow College believes this is an isolated incident and that others are not in danger. Now the Badger community waits for Maddie's return and prays she's okay. This never happens here. And so that's why it was so alarming. That's why we want to find her, and that's why we hope she's safe. Anyone who saw anything suspicious or anyone who knows anything is urged to call police. That number is 435-283-7170. Before I launch into the facts of the case, let me ask you this, Stacey Honowitz. Why do people always say things like, like we just heard the dean say, this doesn't happen here. Well, it did, and it does. And it's probably happened before, but he just doesn't know about it. Why do people think they're somehow protected because they live in, I don't know, a safe community? Because they don't go jogging at night? Because they look both ways at the stop sign? Why do people always think it doesn't happen to them or anybody they know? Well, because they live in a bubble and they probably haven't been around a situation where it's occurred with someone that they know or close to them or something like that. 
So it's easy. It's very easy just to say it could never be in our neighborhood. It could never be at our school. It could never happen where we live. I see it all the time. I see it in the sex crimes cases that I have when it involves a rabbi or a priest. The first thing people say is, oh, it could have never happened here or a temple or a church. Well, yeah, suffice to say, if you open the news and if you read the paper and if you see the, the TV shows, it can happen anytime, anywhere to anyone. I will never forget covering a case, now that you said that, Stacey Honowitz, of Rabbi Fred Newlander. I don't know if you remember his case, but yeah. his mm-hmm. congregation absolutely could not believe that he was guilty of murder, murdering his own wife because he had been sleeping with so many people in his congregation and wanted her out of the way. It's just, and had his son find mom's body. And nobody, people to this day, still don't believe Rabbi Fred Newlander did it. It's just amazing to me. And when you say live in a bubble, to you, Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist in the Atlanta jurisdiction, I think it may be, as Stacy says, living in a bubble, or it may be a way to protect yourself. For instance, I read about a school shooting, and I think, well, well, <laughs> That's not going to happen at the twin school because they have lockdown, because you can't get in, because all the doors are secured, because it's in a low crime area, blah, blah, blah. Why? So I can bring myself to take them to school every morning. Exactly. We all have to. I think that's part of living in our bubble that we all live in. We all have to sort of think, oh, thank God, whoo, dodged a bullet. That one didn't happen to me. I think it makes you feel safe so you can carry on. Exactly. Exactly. Nancy, living, okay, just like living in some of these crime-ridden cities right now, if we're not carjacked while we're pumping our gas, we, we go, oh, thank God, I went to the right gas station today, right? But it could happen to any of us. Any of these things could happen to any of us. You know, I find it really interesting that she was in the middle of finals when she went missing. You know, a lot of people... Uh, would say one of two things. One, she would never crap out during finals. She would never leave. That's just not her. While others would say something like, oh, too much pressure, final exams. She crapped out. She left and she doesn't want to tell her parents. To you, Christy Missouri Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter joining us, tell me about the initial disappearance of teen girl Maddie Allen. Well, Going back to that bubble that you were all speaking about, Snow College is a quaint campus. There are only 6,000 students between two locations. So this isn't a University of Michigan, a Georgia Tech, where tens of thousands of kids are running around a city. So nothing was out of the ordinary when everybody was studying for finals. Some people were walking around campus meeting with friends. It didn't seem odd. Maddie was a good student, came from a a very upstanding family. Take a listen to our cut four. This is Matt Rascon at KSL News. Police say on Monday she walked out of her dorm and into the cold at 9.22 p.m. with a plastic bag, a skirt, and a light white jacket, and they believe her phone. We put a lot of work into tracking those messages. Chief Derek Walk says they don't know where she was headed or whether she's with someone. Everything associated with that would be a speculation. 
but I do hope someone is with her and I hope that they are friendly. The FBI and other agencies are assisting in the investigation. From our family to yours and as Maddie's parents, we are asking for your help. And the family is pleading for the public to spread the word about Maddie. We love you beyond our ability to express and we're here for you. And the desperate search to find her. And we're anxious for you to come home and be with us for Christmas. Such a tough time for family. Tips in this search are now going to the San Pete County Sheriff's Office. The family has also set up a Facebook page to help. So let me understand, Chrissy Missouri, she walked out into the snow and she had a plastic bag with her. And I understand she was wearing a skirt and a light white jacket. And they believe she had her phone with her. Of course, she had her phone with her. What team doesn't have a phone with them? Um, were there surveillance cameras at the dorm when she walked out. Is that how we know that, Christy Mazurik? That is exactly how police know that, and that's how they know she wasn't dressed for the elements. This is wintertime in Utah. Wintertime in Utah. So Dan Corsentino, uh, former police chief, sheriff, Homeland Security, at this juncture, what do cops do now? I can tell you most Police would say, oh, you know, she is uh, probably out meeting her boyfriend, so I'm not too worried. That's typically what we hear. No, you're exactly right. Most police, uh, per their own policy and procedure, are going to take an incident report. They're going to uh, tell the parents, tell the uh, other students of concern, we're going to have to wait, and if anything shows uh, up, to suggest that there is a further uh, evidence of this person with suspicious behavior Mm -hmm. come back to us and we'll take a look at it. Which, uh, Dan Corsentino, how many times do you hear of or investigate or work on a case where the child ends up, the teen, the person ends up dead or kidnapped when police have said, Oh, they just ran away. They'll turn up. That drives me crazy. Yeah, regrettably, it happens a lot. Um, there's got to be some corroborating evidence before the police get involved, or there's got to be an extended period of time that this individual is missing. And in this case, things changed, as we'll talk You're about. You're so right about that. Things certainly did change. Take a listen to our cut five. This is Emily Tensor, Fox 13. As each hour passes and as cold weather kicks in, the Allen family gets more and more concerned about Maddie's whereabouts. They believe she's facing a mental health crisis and is praying she's somewhere safe and warm. Hi, I'm Maddie Allen, and I will be sharing 25 facts about me. Meet Madeline Allen. She's a 19-year-old college student with a YouTube channel, a comforting smile, and a future full of potential. I love ice cream. I have 237 pairs of earrings. Um, that's kind of a lot. I love movies. I, I I could watch them all day if I could. It's now been over 72 hours since security cameras last saw her Monday night leaving her dorm at Snow Hall. So, dear friends, from our family to yours, and as Maddie's parents, we are asking for your help. You can hear the father, Jonathan Allen, breaking down, his voice cracking as he asks for help to find his teen girl, Maddie. Now take a listen to our cut six, Fox 13. 
Her father, Jonathan Allen, says she's been a fighter since birth. I am a preemie. I was born at 26 weeks early and I'm one pound eight ounces. At her birth, she experienced a brain bleed and had a number of other issues at that time. And since then, she's faced a myriad of challenges including disability as well as mental and emotional difficulties. Snow College believes her disappearance is an isolated incident and that no students are in danger. Public Safety Police Chief Derek Walk says they're looking at her cell phone records, hoping to find her. We are following um, all leads and appreciate all tips that we get. A disappearance like this has never happened at Snow College before. The Allen family is asking for your help in pleading with Maddie to return home. We see you. And we love you beyond our ability to express. And we're here for you. And we're anxious for you to come home and be with us for Christmas. If you have any information that could help in the search for Maddie, call San Pete County Dispatch. To you, Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist, joining us out of Atlanta, um, being the mom of two children, both extremely premature. How does that affect the rest of their life? Nancy, if you have to start with a baby who is so premature and you have to care for that baby and watch over it just for its life, you know, it's not born at a normal age. And then oftentimes when babies are very premature, like it sounds like this little girl was, there are there are sequelae that come along with that. There are things that she suffers from because of her prematurity. So in other, rather than being able to give your child a little leeway as they grow up, as most parents can do to help them grow up. You develop a sense that you need to care for that child all the time. And you're sort of always worried about them because you don't really know when the next shoe might drop and you may find out something else that happened to the girl that hasn't been exposed yet simply due to her prematurity. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Today in Corsentino, former police chief, how should the search go down for Maddie? Well, the search should go down once the law enforcement agencies receive information that they believe to be credible. However, there are unusual situations, and the unusual situations when parents come forward or someone comes forward with evidence which is or information which may be outside the realm of normal behavior of the potential victim that's involved in the case. Well, you know what I found interesting in this, Dan Corsentino, is that as we were discussing earlier, so many um, law enforcement personnel, when they find out somebody's missing, oh, they ran away, they'll be back in a day, or she's off with her boyfriend, or she's, you know, cheating on her husband, and they're probably in some hotel somewhere. In this case, when parents went to police, police immediately took it seriously. Did you notice that, Dan Corsentino? So the police should be applauded. The police did a very good job in taking this seriously and getting their team together uh, and sharing that information. They did a great job on this. You know, then we find out as the search goes on for her, Christy Mazurik an unusual text emerged. Explain. One solitary text, Nancy, was received by her parents. Three words. I love you. Nothing more, nothing less. 
and the parents found that very odd because she didn't respond to their reply. Interesting. Interesting. What do you make of that, Stacey Honowitz? I think parents are the ones who know the behavior of their child the best. And if she's, number one, not in the habit of texting I love you to them, that could be number the first thing. And the second thing is if they texted her and she didn't text back. So I think having the parents on board and being able to describe it as unusual behavior is something that really helped the police jump right on this. Dan Corsentino, I don't think it was so much that she texted I love you. It was other circumstances surrounding the text. I agree with you. And it was not receiving a text back. Obviously, the message between parents and daughter in this case, if one parent, if the daughter's saying, I love you, and the parents are not getting a response, then we have a situation which is uh, suspicious. And they brought that to the police and the police acted. It's like um, just, you know, common behavior, Dr. Angela Arnold. Somebody texts you, they text back, and so you know they've got their phone in their hand, and you text them, and they never answer. You know they've got the phone in their hand, so why are they not texting back? Such as, where are you, or where are you sick, and they don't text back. Yeah, because, you know, Nancy, with, with all of this texting as it has evolved, we learn different patterns about people, don't we? We learn if they text a lot when they respond, if they text right away. Nancy, I have got certain people that I can text them, and I know that they are not going to text me back. And it's very frustrating. I don't know who you're talking about. It's not you, sweetie. But it's very, it's very frustrating, but I have learned their patterns. And I've learned if people text back a lot or a little, just as people have learned their patterns about me. So I'm quite sure that these parents, know what their daughter's pattern is and thank and you know what kudos to them for jumping on this and like the other guest on the show said kudos to the police and then after a massive search a break in the case listen grateful to announce that madeline allen has been found and reunited with her family our investigate our investigative team has spent countless hours following leads utilizing investigative tools interviewing others and analyzing data. That focus, dedicated, selfless, hard work of multiple eight, uh, law enforcement officers paid off last night when Madeline was located. Madeline was taken to a nearby hospital for, exa- uh, for an examination after which she was able to interact with her family. Found alive. Do you know how rare that is, Dan Corsentino? Yes, that's extremely rare in these situations. And it appears that because of the police's search and their relentless efforts in a ground search, this case came out successful. You know, they mentioned data. They mentioned data. What does that mean, Christy Missouri? That suggests cell phone? Oh, yes. The police's favorite thing, a ping. A ping. Led them to her. Explain. It's off of cell towers. So remember, she texted her parents, I love you. That text message bounced off a cell tower, and police were able to backtrack somewhat in your location. Of where she was. 
And since this is a rural area, Stacey Honowitz, there are only a certain number of houses to search. All right. So a ping can actually place you within about a block from where the cell phone is, Stacey. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and in cases like this, what happens is the police apply for a warrant to get this kind of information, these pings from these cell towers, a warrant is signed, and they're able to tap into this information. And just like you said, because it's a rural area, because there's not a lot of towers around, they're able to kind of hone in on the location. Take a listen to what we learn from the police presser. And when and where was that? She was found in a in a house um, in Wayne County. This teen girl, a Utah college student, found alive, naked, covered in coal in the basement of a nearly 40 year old man nearly a week after she vanished from her dorm room. Let that sink in. She's found alive, a teen girl found alive, covered in coal in the basement of a nearly 40-year-old man five days after she goes missing from her dorm room. First of all, to you, Christy Mazur, what can you tell me about this perv, Brent Brown? Well, they don't, they being law enforcement, don't have a real big history on him. That's why they're delving into him. Not a serious record. He had some traffic issues, but he is someone who likes to meet women. Okay, you know what, Christy Mazur, I know you're an uh, uh, Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter, but I would hardly qualify a guy making a woman strip down, getting her covered in black coal, stay naked and have her uh, locked in the basement. I don't think that that equates with likes to meet women. Uh, he admitted I don't know. That he you lost your mind, woman? Police, what? Yes, he admitted to police. Yep, I kept took that away her wallet base. and phone, tied her up while he's at work. Later, yep. claiming it was part of a kidnap role play, yeah, like she wanted to be in the basement, covered in coal, completely naked for days on end. I, you know, Christy Mazurk, I'm going to give you a moment to review your notes. Um, <laughs> I will. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. You know, Stacey Honowitz, he played cat and mouse. He toyed with this teen girl for this number of days. You think he planned to let her go? Let her live at the end of the role playing where he kidnapped her and held her hostage? No. Rather than her report the kidnapping, you know he would have killed her? Well, that's the ending that we always see, and that's exactly if the police hadn't been in on this. Of course, that's, you know, look, I don't like to make predictions, but that's the road that it was going down. He certainly doesn't want her to be able to testify against him. So to not be found alive was probably the next uh, thing that was going to happen. This is what we know right now. We have learned that the two were in a group chat. She had never seen him, had never met him, knew nothing about him on kick. K-I-K. 
Okay, Stacey Honowitz, uh, Assistant State's Attorney in Florida. She is an expert in sex crimes on teens and children. Author of My Private Parts Are Private and Genius with a Penis. Don't touch. Okay, I won't. Stacy, explain what kit KIK is to anybody that is not familiar with it. Well, we hear about all these. So it's a social media platform where people go on and they get into chats and they start talking to each other. And in a lot of our cases, this is what we see. We see these teens. With, of course, on these social media platforms, it's not a matter of please tell us how old you are so that we know you can go on them. This is people that go on, predators, kids, anybody can go on and start a conversation. And unfortunately, what happens is in a lot of these cases, a conversation begins and uh, things are said and a meetup takes place. And lo and behold, we have a situation like this. So, again, unfortunately, this is not out of the ordinary with these social media platforms, with the ability for these kids to get on and talk and have conversations with people that they don't know. Uh, we see horrible situations uh, as a result of it. You know, um, here's another thing. For all you parents that are listening, you may grab your child's cell phone when they're asleep or they're in the shower and look at it. Don't just look at the texts. Don't. Don't just go to history. Don't just see what um, browsers they have open, what they've been looking up. You've got to find out where they're meeting and talking to their friends. Like during pandemic, my son, after school uh, in lockdown, would be, I'd hear him screaming and laughing. I'm like, who are you talking to? And he would be on with like five other friends and they'd all be playing together on a screen. They'd be playing the same game against each other, but everybody's in different locations. And he would say, "On we're on, I don't know what he said, house party or something like that, or Snapchat, and you can snap people. And, or, that will go undetected if you try to look at phrases or what they're talking about. You got to get something like, what is it that I have? Oh, bark. I've got bark. And it's a very sensitive and it picks up all sorts of conversations that you do not want your child to have. <laughs> I'll never forget. I nearly fell over the other day when Bark alerted me that my son, John David, had an issue with self-harm. I'm like, what? I looked up what it was. He had been playing soccer for his school and he was goalie that day and he dived to stop a goal from the other team and part of his body and his arm went through the net. He did stop the goal, by the way. Well, he got a bruise on his arm, and he was so proud. Look what I did to defend the goal, blah, blah. And he actually took a picture of the bruise to show it off to people, what he had done to save, to stop the goal. And Bart picked up a picture of a bruise and alerted me about self-harm. And I see, that's the kind of thing, it, it, it registers keystrokes, I don't really know how it works, but it works. And um, if they exchange songs, it will have, oh, there's a curse word, or there's this pops up. And at first I would think, oh, my goodness, my little angel said a curse word. Impossible. But it would be in a song that they had swapped with their friends. So my point is they were in a chat room on something called Kick.
K-I-K. She had no idea who this guy is except what he told her. He could have told her, hey, I'm 19 years old and I go to your college. Blah, blah, blah. Let's have coffee. Who knows what he said? Take a listen to our cut 10. This is Spencer Joseph, Fox 13. According to court documents, the student had met Brown in an online chat, but sometime after the meeting between the two became non-consensual and violent, with Brown allegedly tying up the student while he was at work. Brown also accused of threatening the student, saying he would go after her family if she left, a point the Wayne County attorney brought up. We don't think that there's any way that the victim um, would be able to remain safe if he is permitted to bail. Uh, We don't think that the public in general uh, would be safe. Brown also claims he doesn't have money for a lawyer. Mr. Brown, what would you like to do about having a lawyer? I do not have the resources and I would like a lawyer. Mr. Brown, do you have a job? No, I do not. While deciding bail, the judge asked Brown during the hearing what his thoughts were. His response. It would be nice to be home for Christmas, but... I don't get to see my kids or anything, so it really doesn't matter, Your Honor. A new detail also coming forward, saying the home when this happened is not his. That is my parents' address. That is where all of this took place. Wow, apparently he forgot the Fifth Amendment. Did you hear that? I want to go home for Christmas. You know what? I hope the judge said you can kiss my judicial rear end uh want to go home for christmas what does he think this is go home for christmas and then he said i don't get to see my kids anyway wow i wonder why you're not allowed to see your children i got a few ideas we are talking about brent brown nearly 40 years old claiming he doesn't have a job i guess he doesn't because he's on kick all day trying to lure teen girls to have sex with them and i guarantee i know where this is going christy mazurk um he's going to claim this whole thing was consensual that she wanted to be down in the basement, uh, trapped in there, completely naked, covered in coal, that she signed up for that. I guarantee you that's where this is going to go, Christy. Spot on, Nancy. Spoken like an attorney. That is his defense. I am not an attorney. I am a prosecutor, please. I would never utter these words in court. God help me. You know, to you, Stacey Hanowitz. That's what he's alleging. Stacey He's actually going to claim that she wanted to be trapped in his basement during final exams, covered in coal and completely naked. It's winter. It's freezing. Explain. Well, I mean, to us, it's the most ludicrous, ridiculous thing you can imagine. But that's that's a defense that he's going to have to say. What else can he say? But she consented to it. He's going to say, listen, I spoke to her over kick. We had the conversation. She walked out of her dorm room. I didn't go in and pick her up. She voluntarily got in the car. She, bought, You know, this is the role that always transpires. This is the exact same scenario time after time again when these kids are on social media talking with strangers and then decide on their own volition to go. So his defense in this case is going to be she consented to all of this. Now, we know how ridiculous, how ludicrous it's going to be. As a matter of fact, she's going to take the stand and she's going to say, it wasn't consensual. Just because I agreed and talked to him on the phone makes no difference. I didn't agree to what transpired after the fact. To Dr. Angela Arnold, psychiatrist joining us out of Atlanta at AngelaArnoldMD.com, you don't want some wackadoodle on the jury that actually likes being tied up in the basement, buck naked, and freezing temps covered in coal. 
that could happen. Good God, no. So hopefully they've got some good people. I mean, Nancy, this whole story, I mean, good Lord, the little girl, who knows what was going on inside of her head, right? I don't understand her level of maturity. I don't under, I don't know why she didn't tell somebody where she was going. These are all things that we have to teach our children. I think it's the same reason that a lot of people don't want to admit they found their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their wife or husband online, that they met online. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, in fact, a lot of people are doing that now. I think that may have played into it. Uh, I'm sure she didn't tell her college family, hey, I'm about to go meet some guy. I haven't seen him, actually, but we were in a kick chat room. And I'm going to go out with him. No, of course she didn't. But if you have a close friend, you can tell your close friends that. And I think we need to drive it home to our kids. You've got to have somebody that you're saying these things to. Don't go out all by yourself. Tell somebody. Well, the other thing I find really interesting, and I'll ask you this, Dr. Angela Arnold. He made the mistake, criminal-wise, of letting her send a text and it said at seven, while she's missing, during the time they're frantically trying to find her, at 7.20 a.m., she writes, I love you. And that did it. Wow. And now, when you look at wow. the context of it being in the period of time where she's missing, she disappears. The parents, there's an all-out search going on for her. And at 7.20 a.m., when a lot of co-eds would still be asleep, she writes, I love you. That set off all sorts of alarms in their heads. It was the perfect thing for her to send also. And to me, I mean, I know it's just the words, I love you, but there's a little desperation attached to that also. Like, almost as if she knew that she was, that something really bad was going to happen to her. He allowed her just enough time to send a text message from her phone to her parents. And just the right time. Yeah, at just the like you said, what what kid in college is up at seven twenty in the morning? None. Writing their parents, "I love you," as if she thought that may be her last text she would ever send them. Um, yes, I, I'm thinking about it, and really, to you, Dan Corsentino, that one text. Remember, he would take her phone. Uh, he kept her phone away from her and would lock her up in the basement while he went to work during the day, or so he said. Um. Long story short, in just that one moment, that one text, the ping happened. Explain, Dan Corsentino, how it works. Well, it's almost like a GPS tracking system, but there's a triangulation that takes place from the cell phone towers. And in this case, there was a cell phone tower that was very close to the residence in Loa, Utah. The police then uh, were able to identify that neighborhood they were walking along it appears and they looked into the basement of a house and they saw a woman or a person but in this case a woman with a slight build and then they went to the front of the house and at that point in time they knocked on the door and they asked Brent Brown if anybody else was in the house He denied anybody else being in the house, and for them, everything changed at that point. They then decided to get a search warrant, and things began to unfold. And when you say, Dan Corsentino, they decided to get a search warrant, it's not like they got in the car and drove to the courthouse. You can get a search warrant from a magistrate or judge over the phone. Absolutely. 
it was almost immediate, and that's what they did in this case, based on this person's uh, untruthfulness. This guy lied to their face at that point. They got the search warrant, and everything unfolded. The entry began, the search began, and uh, thank God, the, again, this police department uh, acted proactively. You know, uh, this guy, this freaky dude, Perv, Brent Brown, had also told the victim that he had sent her phone to the Arizona-Mexico border so that no one could use it to locate her, according to the police report. More psychological torture. And I guess he said he got it back. You know, this was 90 miles away from where she was in college. Guys, take a listen to our cut 11, Fox 13. Good morning, Mr. Brown. Morning. Mr. Brown, this morning I'd just like to advise you about the charges against you and also advise you of your rights. Brent Brown, the man accused of kidnapping and assaulting a Snow College student, appeared in court for the first time Wednesday. Brown also learned if he would be granted bail. And the court finds that the uh, concern about public safety has been established by clearing convincing evidence. So on that basis, as for right now, I'm going to hold you without bail. Brent Brown, who is 39, was arrested on Sunday and charged with rape, object rape, aggravated kidnapping, aggravated sexual assault, aggravated assault, and obstruction of justice. After that 19-year-old Snow College student, who had been missing for several days, was found held captive in a home in Loa. This guy, 40 years old, Brent Brown, asked the judge to release him from jail because it would be nice to go home. For Christmas. Now, this is after he kidnapped and raped a 19 year old girl found naked and covered in coal dust, trapped in his basement. It would, quote, be nice to go home for Christmas. Has he lost his mind after he rapes a girl, a teen girl, and keeps her trapped in his basement? I mean, I don't understand the disconnect from reality. What about it, Stacey Honowitz? Well, what, you can't expect a defendant at this juncture to say, I did it all and let me stay in. I mean, this is what there there is a total disconnect. This guy is a predator. This guy is online luring girls, taking them back. I mean, when you read the facts of the case and you see what happened, you realize there is a disconnect in reality. And if you notice, it wasn't a defense attorney asking the court to set a bond because any veteran uh, defense attorney would know that that is ludicrous to ask the court for a bond on all these kinds of charges. So there is a disconnect. We see it in all these cases. This guy is a predator. And the idea of meeting online has become so prevalent that uh, you wouldn't believe how many of the cases we're seeing. Dr. Angie Arnold, what alternate, alternate universe is he living in where he says, hey, judge, can I go home for Christmas? What? What? Well, you know, Nancy, we may find that he has become pretty successful at this. And he is living in an, in an altered universe because he's hiding behind these social media platforms. And so there, there may be, I mean, I, he is living in an altered universe because, for God's sake, Nancy, he thinks he can take a young girl and put her in his basement and use her as his sex slave for however long. And what I'm 
scared about is how many times has he done this in the past? What are we going to find out about this guy? So, yes, he is living in an altered universe, as they all do, until they are found out. He is now charged with obstruction of justice, aggravated kidnapping, rape, and object rape. Stacey Honowitz, what is object rape? Well, it's exactly what you might think it is. It's not by any part of the of the body. It's not by the genitalia or the hands. It's by something. It's an object. So, um, you know, we don't we don't know what the facts are with regard to that. Certainly, once the case gets moving and the discoveries out there. I think I know enough, Stacey, because he's charged not only with rape, but object rape, aggravated kidnapping, and obstruction of justice. Where does it stand right now, Christy Mazurk? I hope the judge isn't thinking of letting him have a, a spring break to go home. He is behind bars. And Nancy, one of the things that investigators have found out and drilled down, so to speak, is that Mr. Brown was no stranger to this messaging app. In fact, Kick has been coming under investigation throughout the country and around the world. So far, it has been involved, this messaging site, in 1,100 sexual abuse cases. Wow, I can always count on you, Christy Mazurk, for some uplifting news. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Bye.